You're listening to a Fit Plus Love production. I've been creating for 23 years, 24 years. In, you know, in the past four years, I decided I'm going to do this full time and give it my go. My experience of being in corporate helped me to navigate and get to where I am quicker. That was Michelle Drummond. This is Marnie Salop. Thanks for tuning into my podcast, Marnie on the Move. Each week, I will be inviting interesting, innovative movers and shakers to join me on the show and share their story. You will discover and hear from thought leaders, experts, influencers, and entrepreneurs from the worlds of wellness, sports, beauty, fitness, fashion, and more. Marnie on the Move will feature an eclectic mix of people I know, work with, and think are generally doing cool things. On each episode, I sync up with my guests about life, career, and training, and showcase their expertise and story. Hello, welcome, and welcome back to the Marnie on the Move podcast. I'm your host, Marnie Salop. Today on the podcast, I sync up with the incredibly talented contemporary mixed media fiber artist, Michelle Drummond. Currently, she is an artist in residence at Arts Warehouse in Delray Beach, Florida, and you may have seen her work at the Muse Art Fair in Miami 2019 during Art Basel or at the Red Dot Art Fair in Miami in 2018 during Art Basel. Most recently, and very exciting, Michelle's work is part of the public art permanent installation, The Metamorphosis 2022, at the Mandel Public Library in West Palm Beach. Michelle's artwork is full of vibrant colors, whimsical style, and her unique signature three-dimensional forms. Each piece carries an underlying message of optimism, strength, and perseverance. It exudes the true expression of her quest for life and the influence of her rich Jamaican culture, her experiences living here in the United States, and exploration of other culture through her travels. Before venturing into art and entrepreneurism, Michelle played competitive field hockey and was a member of the Jamaican women's hockey team, where she represented Jamaica in various events internationally, beginning at the age of 15. And she was one of the first Jamaican national players to have been offered an academic scholarship to study at the St. Lawrence University and simultaneously represent the university through field hockey. Michelle and I sync up about where her passion for art and creativity began, the inspiration behind her work, growing up in Jamaica, her love of field hockey and how she continues to play, and how it fuels her for success. If you like what you hear, leave us a review on Apple. It's easy. Head over to your app, wherever you listen, click on the Marnie on the Move podcast, scroll through the episodes, click on the five stars, and click on leave a review. Tell us what you love. Before we dive into our conversation, shout out to our sponsors at Inside Tracker. Inside Tracker is the ultra personalized nutrition platform that analyzes your blood, DNA, and lifestyle to help you optimize your body from the inside out. They are my go to for understanding my inner health, looking at my blood levels, and getting great nutritional insight. 
Inside Tracker transforms your body's data into meaningful insights and a customized action plan of the science-backed recommendations you need to reach your goals. Take control of your health and wellness. Unlock the power of your potential. And use our code CHEERSMARNIE for 25% off. Now, on to our conversation with Michelle Drummond. Your style is so unique and so beautiful. So tell me a little bit about your work and where it kind of all began. My work, so just to describe my work, it's fiber art. So how I create it is I manipulate multicolored, multi-weighted yarn and glue on and off canvas and wood panel. So it's really working the fiber, the material medium itself from a, what people would say a softer medium into more of a structural three-dimensional form to create this beautiful uh, sculpture. So that is what my work is. How I came on onto this is, I think it, I, I tell people fiber found me, I didn't find fiber art. And it started in college. I was just always curious about art, fine art, um, but I never really pursued it. And then my final year, I was like, what the heck? What do I have to lose? You know, I'm going to try. I did uh, art classes and then I did a sculpting class and I was asked to do a linear form. And, uh, you know, just trying to figure out what a linear form is, I just remembered being in Jamaica, peddlers, artisans coming around selling from house to house. And some of the products they had were just really beautiful birds Mm -hmm. created from yarn and, and nails or strings and nails on wood. And that's what really sparked this whole, I would say, revelation for me of, okay, I could use that as to create a, a linear form. So that's where that started. So it was an assignment, right? Because what were you studying in college? Because you weren't studying art. No, it, it actually, my pursuit in college was math, computer science, and French. Very technical, very, you know, way on the other side from uh, the creative side, you know. So I was um, introduced to... I would say in, in at high school, you're very versed. They, are, they keep you well-rounded. And you grew up in Jamaica, right? So I was born and raised in Jamaica. I came here at 19 to pursue undergraduate studies um, at St. Lawrence University in upstate New York. And the per, my studies were very technical. I've always had a technical background, natural sciences, you know, advanced level mathematics, physics, etc. So... You know, that was what I thought I wanted to pursue. Right. You know, a field, you know, some, some technical field. But I was introduced to art in high school because they wanted to keep us well-rounded. So we had art and craft. And I was introduced to pottery. And I love the fact that I could feel, create uh, art using my hands and feeling the clay and, you know, just creating something beautiful. So I was really good at it, but, you know, based on cultural expectations, I was like, okay, I love this, but this is not going to satisfy any expectation. They're going to think I'm a failure if I pursue art. You know, all I care is what are you going to do with art? How is that going to pay you? You know, 
that's not a decent career. Right. So I was like, okay, let me put that, in the back, put that down and then pursue the technical side. And then you, and so you went from like the beautiful, warm Jamaica <laughs> to the freezing upstate New York. <laughs> it was, what's the word? Culture shock to the extreme. Um, just absolutely unexpected, you know, um, very uncomfortable experience for me. I, I was told about the environment, but I wasn't told the details. Some of the details were left out. Yeah. So, because <laughs> I'm thinking, okay, New York, upstate New York, it's not far from New York City. Right. You know, similar environment and everything. And then I went upstate, really, up, which is a totally different cup of tea from New York City. Extreme weather, extreme cold, just a difference in even just the vegetation. Yeah, everything. It's so beautiful and bright colors in Jamaica and then like upstate New York. You have the pine trees, the Adirondack, and just the buildings, the red brick buildings. It was just all red brick, no color. You know, it's just monotonous. I was really in shock for about, I think I was in shock for two years and trying to figure out what did I do to myself? Why did I do this? But like, (laughs) but just, you know, back to what you were saying, like you were raised that you needed to pursue a career where you were going to get a job and it was going to be a certain way. I mean, you know, then you're in college, you're here by yourself. What was it like at that point where you're, you were thinking, okay, I want to try something else. What was that like? I mean, that's kind of what happened because now you're an accomplished artist with beautiful work. I think, um, so I did not necessarily, I pursued my technical degree. So I, you know, I degree in mathematics with com- concentration in computer science and French. So I did pursue that. After two years of being at St. Lawrence and I came here, I also played field hockey. Right. So that helped me to kind of balance myself mentally in this new environment while I'm pursuing an education. And I was nostalgic. I missed my friends. I wasn't used to the environment, the food, everything. And playing, being on a team, Playing a sport helped me to kind of, it was kind of therapy for me and took my mind off of those adversities or the experience, these new experiences that were not very well received on my part. Um, And also creating art after, you know, of three years of being in an environment and decided in my senior year, I'm going to create art. That also helped to opened my eyes and um, it was very therapeutic in that environment. So that is where all that started. But, you know, going from St. Lawrence University and graduating, you know, I still pursued a technical field. Right. So you still had your full-time career that you were doing at the, at the time. Yes. I, I was in pursuit of financial stability, acceptance, recognition. I need to being corporate. So I pursued, I did my postgrad in project management. Um, so I pursued a corporate, you know, career in right. project management. And I, I did really well, but I felt unbalanced. Um, and it was still a new environment for me because, you know, I came here as we would call it as an adult. I, I didn't come here and go to high school right. and get acclimated to being here. So, and I left all my friends and family back home in Jamaica. So 
it, you know, I still needed an outlet, something still, you know, there was still a void that I needed to fill. And I continued to do art while I was pursuing this corporate career that, you know, I thought would, you know, meet expectations right. of me. Um, so, in, and in doing, when I pursued it, I just created and I gave them away. So it was more of an outlet for me than anything else. So you had art and sports as your creative outlets. Yes. So, you know, one thing I always, wherever I moved to, whichever city I moved to, I always, you know, kind of start research. Okay, where can I, is there field hockey? Yeah. That's my sport in this um, city. Who can I connect with? Because I need to play. You know, I, I, it's kind of, I go to withdrawal if I don't play field hockey. Where did you get into field hockey? Was it in college or did you grow up playing? I grew up playing. I got into field hockey at 10. Um, so I, when I started high school in Jamaica, I was introduced to the sport and um, I, my entire class was introduced to it. And then over a period of time, it was about five or six of us from my class who continued and I caught on very well and I found it to be, it was fun and it was also an outlet for me and gave me some sort of freedom as well. And, you know, and it was actually just building relationships um, outside of my immediate family and, you know, and friends. Right. So, and so I found it as a balance. I found it to be fun and I was good at it. So right. that also helped. And then you continue to do it and you still are playing now. You're on a team in Florida. I, I am playing now. You know, it's, I would say it's ingrained in me. I've been playing since 10. I played competitively for Jamaica. So I played um, in several international um, games. You know, I played for the Central American and Caribbean games when I was, how old was I? 17, 18. And then I played in the Pan Am games, Pan American games. So I played in several, you know, under 21. So I've been all over the world playing for Jamaica. And this was really early on because I started playing for Jamaica at 15. And by 19, I was, you know, approached about coming here to go to school and also playing. Okay. That's amazing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, and I was very hesitant because, you know, I had a really good life in Jamaica. I was loving... The fact that I, you know, I was playing for, you know, a sport I love. I was getting recognized. I was pursuing education. And, you know, all my friends and family were there. Um, but I wanted more. I was kind of curious. You know, I was, um, after playing, being, getting that taste of international play and going to other countries, I was very curious about living outside of Jamaica. So, you know, that's why I decided to accept the offer to come here. So it, it was more of curiosity to come, to live outside of Jamaica than anything else. And also just wanted to, yeah, to see what's out there and to, and to see if I can make a life outside of Jamaica for myself than, you know, just being under the shelter and security of growing up on an island and not exploring what's out there. So right. that's what brought me to um, the United States. And in addition to that, I was able to play field hockey. So you were a competitive athlete 
all throughout high school and college. So what is it that you really love about playing field hockey, about athletics, and how do you use that as you're, you know, a successful artist building your business? What I love about playing field hockey, it's a mental getaway for me. It's a mental break. It, it's, it's take, it takes me away from reality and kind of give me that release that I need in order to come back and face the music, you know, <laughs> face whatever happens. Yeah. And without that in my life, I I'm honestly don't know how I would cope and really clearly think um, strategically about how to tackle certain issues or certain challenges. Um, you know, I have to play on a weekly basis, bi-weekly if, if it was possible here. Um, it's just a mental, it's, it's therapy. It's real therapy. You know, I feel a lot more relaxed. I feel a lot more level-headed, clear-headed playing. And, and, you know, it's like a high for me. Yeah. You know, endorphins, it's all, and then, you know, it gives me more clarity, helps, you know, to really clear up things for me and in order for me to check, you know, take on any challenges. That is what I really love about. And what are you like, what do you do to train for that for field hockey? Like what, what are you doing on the other days of the week when you're not playing? I, I go to the gym two to three times. Well, I go to the gym twice per week and I also run. Okay. So I'm so field hockey is a very taxing sport on the body. I have to work out because if I don't, as you know, as I age, I've been, I've beaten up my body <laughs> uh, so badly throughout the years. And I think my body's so used to being beaten up that I have to really train, you know, run, do about three different types of, um, you know, activity, like really hardcore and push myself. You know, I run, I do the elliptical, I, and I do the rowing machine, all that great stuff, you know, like really intensely, at least twice per week. And then I go play hockey for like two hours. Um, yeah, on a Sunday, just run, 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 you know, and it's, 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 it's a routine for me that I have to do. If I don't do it, my body starts falling apart. I don't know what it is, but I start yeah. feeling aches and pain and I start getting groggy and I'm like, oh. Yeah. yeah. No, I feel the same way. I mean, I always, I, it's always so, it's so important to take a rest day, but if you take too many rest days, your body just like stops. And I feel like also with age, it's like, it's just your body starts to go into like this very relaxed state and it takes so much more work. It's like being on a bike, right? It's like, as soon as you drop your cadence, it's so much harder to get back to where you were. What is it an all women's team or is it mixed? Well, the, the one I'm playing on right now, it's uh, mixed. So, you know, That's we cool. call it, rec- yeah, it's just pick up hockey. Okay. But everybody comes out for the same reason. Right. You know, get that mental break. We've been playing since we were really young. A lot of, most of the players have been, have played internationally competitively. Okay. And it's a time to continue to play. And we all love the sport and just hung out afterwards. So it's mixed, um, varying ages. I think, yeah, I think the youngest, it's youngest is about 30. And it goes up to 73, 74. Oh, wow. Okay, cool. <laughs> yes. I should have saying like, wow, but like, 
I've seen people like run right past me in a race that are like 20 years older than me. So yeah, yeah. that's so amazing. It's, it, it, and, it, and it is for everybody I've spoken to. It's hockey has been a part of their life and it's something that it doesn't matter how old you are. That's what keeps them going. Yeah. You know, thing and just the camaraderie, the, the, everything about it. How does all of that come into your work? Because I know that your artwork is influenced and inspired by the environment, by the world, by culture, by, you know, different philosophies and motivation. And tell me a little bit about how that comes back into your work and a little bit about the inspiration and influence in your artwork. So playing um, hockey, you know, I, I tell people that that's, that's a part of my life. That's who, part of who I am. Right. And, you know, the, the influence of field hockey to my art, it's really where field hockey has taken me and the different environments I've played in, you know, my experiences, just living here in the U.S. So my artwork is influenced by my experiences here. It's not necessarily not only in the U.S., but by my culture itself and just interacting with in different communities, people from different communities. Field hockey is an international sport. It's not very well played or often played here. Right. You know, I think it's limited to, okay, female and you have a male national team and all that. So it's always identified as a female sport. But everywhere else in the world, it's uh, a dominant sport in male and female arenas. And I've lived in DC, the Washington DC area and played for a club called, you know, DC Dragons. And that club accommodates players from all over the world. Um, you know, DC is a transient um, district in the metro area. So I've played with Dutch, Pakistani, Indian, Chilean, you know, all these different nationalities. And, you know, just the experience of being around them, mm-hmm. talking about their cultures, experiencing their cultures, my adventures as well, and being in tune with certain needs, certain challenges, that helps to, that influences my art. As much as my art is very brightly colored, very unique, part of that is based on, yeah, my culture, it's, you know, Jamaica, it's where, you know, we love life and we live. Um, our thing is, you know, we work to live. Yeah. We don't live or we just enjoy life. So that influences my art because when I want, when people see my art, it evokes a sense of happiness, optimism, joy. Um, but it also has that message, you know, of you know, some underlying messages. Most of the times I don't talk about what inspired the piece. I have them take a look at the piece and say, you know, what thoughts, what emotion is this piece evoking in you to get their input on it. Right. On it. I feel like with a, a lot of artists, you know, as soon as you give a name to something, it it sort mm-hmm. of like puts people as an observer in a certain direction. Yeah. Like some of your work, like I love some of the names and I might not have thought that about the individual pieces, but then 
when I look at the names like risk taker or navigating the system or blurred vision or brainstorming, then I see what their messages behind the work. You know, at first glance, to me, it's a beautiful three-dimensional work that's full of color and movement and it's totally unique, you know, and then when you see the message behind it, it's interesting because it's so much bigger than just like the artwork. I mean, we're talking about the world, right? And the environment. Yes. Most of the time when I create, I, all, I create based on what comes to me. Right. And then the name, you know, I guess in everything, the name comes last. And when I present my work, especially in my studio, I don't add, an, you know, the, the, the signage to it. I don't add an, the name to it. And then, so when someone looks at it, they have their own interpretation. And so for instance, you know, navigating the system, you know, if you look at that piece, you know, you know, it's based on what your interpretation of what that piece is about. Uh, My interpretation or what inspired that piece is really my journey here. That encompasses a lot of my journey here in the US or even my adventures, but but specifically in the US, um, because I came here and I had to figure it out. Right. I had to figure out this new system, you know, physically, mentally, you know, and emotionally. And the piece is in a question mark form, you know, it's a lot of meandering going on, which, you know, signifies my journey here. Right. In the US. You know, so you know, that is what you know, I, that is why I create my work and how I create my work. Not to be literal, but for you to have your own interpretation, even though I have my interpretation of what it is. They're just all really cool. All the art that, that we have in our apartment, it's just something that, you know, made me feel good, right? And I think a lot of people, when they buy art, I think that's the most important thing, right? Is that you connect with a piece of work and it makes you feel good and whatever, it should spark joy. <laughs> it, it, it is actually, yeah. Art is, um, it's, a, it's an emotional connection. Yeah. And, it, and, and it's, it's actually, it's, it's visual. It's what you see and what it evokes, you know, in you initially. And, you know, I believe my work, especially the colors, you know, that evokes a sense of happiness, you know, the bright, they're whimsical, so, and that is what people are looking for. Something that will, you know, give them some sort of, you know, happy feeling, as we'd say. My work is, it has depth to it in terms of what inspires it and meaning behind it. But I also tie, I, I know that the physical, you know, is more, that's the first thing someone sees and, you know, they're itself is what really sells the art yeah so yeah so there's a twofold to that and speaking of selling art when did you start your business as an artist like when did you sort of make that transition from you know your corporate work to pursuing your art as a career I decided to transition in 2018 you know, I was always thinking about it, oh, you know, and I have this friend who kept saying, Michelle, give it a try, you know, for years, uh, because I would create these pieces and she's the one who's like, this is a gold mine. What are you doing? You're giving them away to me and all that. 
you know, give me a gun. I was like, no, 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 no. And then towards the end of 2017, you know, moving into 2018, I said, you know, I really need to do this. You know, I had, I started my own management consulting where I wanted to help small businesses, uh, you know, get strategically um, in tune and build some structure right. some project management and strategic management, but it still wasn't fulfilling to me. And I said, you know, life is short. You know, I'm going to give it a try. I don't want to say, okay, what if, you know, I should have. So I really took a look into what made me happy mm -hmm. and how I feel when I'm creating. And I said, you know, this is a huge risk. I have no idea about the art industry and the community. You know, I've shown in a couple of shows before and all that great stuff, but I've never really dove into it full time. And I assessed my environment because I was living in um, the DC area in Maryland. And I said, you know, I've shown here, but I don't think this is the environment for my art. You know, I think more of a tropical, lighter environment right. would work. So I decided I, I was going to move to Florida. I've always wanted to move to Florida. Yeah. But like I was a good scared. mix of like island weather. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> island weather, the appeal, yeah. more the relaxed, yeah. less charged, less, you know, on the go. And I did my research. Um, I wanted to find the right niche where, you know, I would live and could create. Um, so I, I took a couple of trips down here and I went to Miami. You know, I, I visited Fort Lauderdale several times throughout the years. Your work has been at Art Basel. Yeah, I've, yeah. I've shown in Art Basel, yeah. um, during, you know, in Red Dot. And I've shown another time in Muse Art Fair, one of those art fairs during Art Basel. But... I um I wanted to find a place where I could create and you know I there's a community for for me to get exposed and grow my craft. So 2018 I moved down here to Delray Beach. I think it was just the right mix and the right environment for me coming from northeast mid-Atlantic to Florida and got into art warehouse and uh you're an started, artist in residence at Art Warehouse. Artist in residence, yeah. I started at Art Warehouse as a pop-up, you know, temporary, and then I transitioned into being an artist in residence there. And it's been great. It's been great because I was in an environment where I was with like-minded people. Yeah. Uh, people who've been in the industry for years and could provide some guidance to me. You know, because I thought I did my research uh -huh. and, oh, no, I, I I did not know anything about art community until I came here. And then you really, you know, figure it out. So what did you have? Like, what was the biggest learning curve and what were some of the opportunities like being an artist and trying to make that a career? I think the biggest learning curve is the misunderstanding of how person who is fully into art thinks you know I thought art okay everybody has their own unique technique and you know take on art and there's no real competition right and oh was I mistaken it's 
it's it, you know it's it's like I think it's cutthroat. Yeah. It's similar to being in a corporate world. Um, you have to be very mindful, and you're always seen as competition, regardless of the uniqueness of your medium and your technique. You know, people don't want to be an afterthought or has been. You know, you always have to keep on top of your game, relevant. I think you know that was the biggest <laughs> lessons learned. And what about in terms of exposure and growing your business? Like, what are some things that you've done besides, you know, obviously, you know, if somebody's listening that is passionate about art and after these past few years, like so many people have thought about, have been rethinking their careers, have been rethinking what is my mission in life? Because, you know, you're right. Like you said earlier, you know, you have to live your life. You have to enjoy your life. Like we're not here for forever and also you have to enjoy what you do if somebody's rethinking their career like what should they know about getting into the art world and you know how to go about doing that I think what worked for me yeah is that I had or have a business background a corporate background um so I kind of marry both the corporate and creative I you know I look at art as a business because you have to survive, even right. though it doesn't, for me, creating is not work. I enjoy doing it, but you have to have put on your business cap when you're doing, when you, you know, for you to survive. And one of the things I found, especially interacting with artists who always just focus on art and don't have a business background, it's like, that's where they fall short. They don't apply the business aspect to it. And strategically, they have no idea where they're going or what they're doing. They just feel like, okay, I can just create the work and it will sell. But you have to have a plan, you know, business-wise. You have to identify goals and look at avenues where you, you know, that would be successful for you. And you have to be able to interact and more corporate manner. Yeah in addition to being an artist. And I think that's what worked for me. I knew how to navigate, how to position myself from a business perspective, how to, um, who to connect with. I identified, okay, who are the players? Who are, how do I connect with them? You know, craft an email, craft a, you know, it, it be professional. Um, but also your your creative. So it's combining the two that has actually gotten me to where I am this quickly, you know, in my, the sh- right. my I would sure. say, sh- career. Yeah, it's because yeah, you said like, you know, officially four years, right? But yeah, but I, I really decided to, I've been creating for 23 years, 24 years. In, you know, in the past four years, I decided I'm going to do this full time and give it my go. My experience of being in corporate helped me to navigate and get to where I am quicker. It's true. If you focus and you, like you said, you have a strategy, you have goals, and you put together a business plan, it's like a a guideline for you. It doesn't have to be something you stick to, but at least it gives you some parameters and a foundation for like where to go from. Yes, it starts coming together. And, you know, what I've done just being here is, you know, I've built rapport and relationship with, you know, fellow artists. And I said, okay, 
they asked me, like, how do you, how do you, how do you get this far so quickly? And I said, you know, you know, you have to have some sort of strategy. You can't just come in and let me just paint or do whatever and see where it goes. But um, I, I do provide guidance. Okay, maybe you need to do this, you know, do that. This would be good. This is what I did. So, you know, take a look at, you know, the exhibitions that I've been in. You know, it's very strategic. You know your audience. Yes. You know who's going to buy your work. Yes. You know where, uh, like you could visualize where it would be in someone's home. Exactly. And, you know, that's the first thing. It's, you know, who are the players? Who are the curators? Who are the people that you need to connect with? Yeah. Which exhibition will get you to interact with the people who are, you know, at a higher level? Right. And get your work out there. And who's your audience? And not just that, you know, a lot of things about copywriting and all that stuff, you know, you don't just create a work and put it out there right? because it's a competitive world. You have to copyright your work, things like that. Yeah. So, you know, I, I would give them just here and there information as to how to navigate. And, and they're like, oh my God, I wasn't, I've been doing this for so long. I never thought of that. Isn't that what's great about Arts Warehouse is the community and the network and the people that are there coming together to kind of share and be sort of like in this community. It is, and uh, you know, I, I really commend Arts Warehouse for what it's done yeah. for me as you know, as someone who's new in the art arena. Uh, it really created a sense of community for me, a strong foundation to building my art business and building my art career, you know, with the, the, you know, by being around art, you know, artists. Yeah. They provide the creative guidance from their experience, and I can also transfer some business knowledge. So it's like a really a true family. You know, you have your fighting here and there, your competition and all that crap. But, you know, in the end, everyone wants the same thing. I love that you have that business background and that you're an entrepreneur and now you're focused on your artwork. But I also noticed that, which is very smart of you, you've started creating tote bags and coasters, mm -hmm. which that is truly, I think, an amazing way for people to experience your art without maybe buying something on a larger scale of your work. And that is a very smart branding move. <laughs> I wanted to cater to the different pockets, the different budgets of people. You know, not everyone can afford an original. And, you know, I also wanted to create an income stream um, so I don't necessarily have to solely depend on an original piece to create, generate income. You know, and I, th I thought that, and I think a lot of people are doing it, but you have to choose a product that's marketable and that's appealing. And that speaks to your brand. Yes. So I decided to create totes and coasters. Coasters are very practical, you know, you throw it anywhere, take it anywhere. It's very you know, appealing to the eyes to, you have, you set your drink on it and then you're seeing this great, you know, right. yeah. image. So I, I decided to go in, you know, in that direction as well, um, in addition to creating original. So do you art. have a, um, an e-commerce site? Like I was on your website, but it says it's custom or are you like, how are you selling the totes and the coasters? It can be purchased from the website, but, um, the, the totes and coasters are custom ordered. So what's on the website are just, you can purchase that 
if you like the design or you can actually custom say, hey, I like this piece, this uh, original work, can I get it on a, a coaster or a tote bag and I'll custom it for you. So that's how that works. So, um, you know, it's more of interacting and appealing to what the customer likes from the original piece. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it is more personalized um, than just buying a, a piece from the website or, you know, a tote or a coaster from the website. Right. So, you know, and so, so that, where do you see that going? Like, do you, are there other products that you want to create? Well, I do have other products. I have um, patterns, textiles. So I have textiles that I, you know, a couple of textile, you know, patterns um, that I offer. So what I'm trying to do, I'm trying to get, you know, not bombard the market with so many different types of different products. Right. And I want to get it caught on, you know, the textiles and the totes and the coasters, get that going, and then I'll introduce other um, products. That's awesome. And so just back to your artwork, what's Mm -hmm. the largest scale piece that you've ever created? Do you have a sense of that? I I do. I actually just completed a... Let me see, the, the wood panel, the dimensions are seven foot high, five feet wide, and about four feet in depth. Wow. So, yeah, it's, uh, but the piece itself, I think it's eight by five by four. And that's a uh, piece that I was commissioned by the uh, city of West Palm Beach to be installed at the Mandel Public Library downtown uh, West Palm Beach. That's amazing. Thank you. So it's funny that you asked me because that, you know, I, that was the large, that has been today the largest I've created. And it's like a life-size tree that's just, you know, is coming at you. That's awesome. How long does that, did that take you to, not from, not from the idea, but like Mm -hmm. from the actual fabrication? Yes. Six months. Wow. So it's six months. And I'm telling you, six months, five days per week, eight hours, seven to eight hours a day. Wow. So it's full, it was, it's full time. And I'm no joke. You know, it was just like hard labor, but it's hard labor, but it, it was just so gratifying to see something alive, you know, and to finish it. Do you have anyone so. that helps you, art assistants that kind of? No, I actually created it myself. All by yourself. Yeah. Yeah, the reason is I'm really, at this point in my career, I'm trying to protect my, I would say, you know, personal property or proprietary information because everything, you know, is very competitive yeah. and my work is unique and I'm just really getting out there. Yeah, that's So huge. I have to be very cautious about disclosing my technique and, you know, and just creative process. That makes sense. You know? Yeah, I speak in general, but I don't go into detail. Yeah, and so was that the first really big project that you've worked on like that? Yes, it's the first really big project. I've worked on, you know, know, 40 by 30, you know, which is two and a half feet by three and a half. But this is the the largest magnitude. And everything is on canvas, but it's also three-dimensional or is there are there other types of work that you're doing that are not on canvas no so 
I have moved from canvas to wood panel. Okay. Because it's solid, it can, you know, and especially with the three dimensions getting bigger, um, that's a more solid background to really uh, withstand the weight and the magnitude of the three dimensions. But I do create uh, pieces that are off, off, the, off canvas or off wood panels. So hanging standalone sculptures. And that I created because I was asked to do it. I, it, I, it was never in my mind to say, okay, I'm gonna create something off canvas or wood panel. And I was asked by um, Melanie, she was the curator for the Cornell Art Museum here in Delray. Coming out of the pandemic, or we're still in the pandemic, but towards the end of 2020, they wanted to have some celebration at the museum. And she said, can you create some ornament looking or some structure that we can hang, you know, and create that feel? And I was like, I've never created off canvas, but I'm up for the challenge. And I, you know, created some really amazing three-dimensional forms off the canvas that's hung, you know, hung from the ceiling. That's cool. That's very cool. What are you seeing people put more of in their homes? I'm still marketing and trying to, you know, and get my work out there. But as far as the wood panel or the canvas, I don't think it makes a difference because I do paint the background. So even with the wood panel, it is painted using acrylic. You can't tell the difference. And it's um, one of the flexibility of having it on wood panel or canvas is that you can hang it. Yes. on a wall and it still gives you that three-dimensional sculptural feel but you can hang it and you can move it around on a, on a wall so what's your bucket list project and what's your bucket list exhibit or gallery so i think um right now i'm hitting my bucket list with this public art piece in downtown west palm beach and you know the reason it's a milestone is because when I was awarded this, I was told, you know, you're the first black female artist who was awarded a permanent installation in the city of West Palm Beach. And I was like, what? Yeah. <laughs> so, that's insane. Yeah. That that's never happened before, but that's also incredible and amazing. Yeah. And that's, yeah, both. Yeah. It's like, okay, why? You know, there's something, and then, whoa, this is great. Yeah. So, that's really a bucket list, like checked off, you know, just it's an honor and, you know, it's so monumentous for me. It's um, for me and also because I'm Jamaican, you know, for the Jamaican community and Jamaica itself, they're just, you know, over the moon about it. Are they going to so, commission you to do something in Jamaica? Well, hopefully that that's the plan. <laughs> that's the plan. But my my honest my target audience is more on a commercial and high end residential. So, right, you know, I do want to continue to create work for commercial clients, either for public facilities or even just privately commissioned work for commercial, you know, right for like with real estate developers and. Because your work is so, it is so large scale, it would look great in the lobby of a New York City building, you know, when they're putting together like the high rises and the new buildings. Exactly, you yeah. know, so, and I was actually, I think, you know, I've, well, since I started, 
creating full time, I've always been trying to find who my audience is. Right. And, uh, you know, since my work is so unique, not everyone, you know, understands my work. Right. You know, a lot of people, they prefer the traditional oil or acrylic on canvas. Right. You know, and, but to have fiber used in that form to create, you know, an art a piece, you know, it's not, it, it's, it's really, you have to be really open-minded and outside of box thinking. Do, when you're when you're working when you're creating do you listen to music or is there anything else that is like inspiring you that's keeping you moving along like what's your environment like when you're working I um, I listen to music I listen to all different genres of music you know it goes from reggae to alternative to just hip hop pop and but it's more of background I you know I've been listening to Dua Lipa yeah. you know because it's a mix of you know these different artists, I'm listening to her station. Yeah. Julie station because it's more of music playing something loudly in the background. Yeah. And then, you know, I go at different levels because I sometimes I listen to chill station, you know, instrumental or, you know, softer tone music. So it depends on my mood or, okay, I'm tired of hearing this. But music for me is more of background you know, I like hearing it, but my mind is always, my work is very meditative yeah. for me, especially day in the yarn, one strand at a time. So my mind is elsewhere, even though I have the music in the background, but it's not elsewhere where I'm thinking, you just crazy thoughts. It's more that calm mental break, get away. And I'm just, you know, laying, it's, meditative therapeutic just being the strands uh, so that's how i work so i know i'm crazy i sound crazy where i have music going all all over i'm not no really no i wanted to, to know your creative yeah. process because a lot of you know i i love music i'm a, you know i don't listen to music when i'm working but i listen to it when i'm running so yeah it, it, it cannot be quiet for me when i'm working it has i have to have background noise or yeah. background music but I'm not necessarily listening to it. Right. And I'll burst out singing once in a while. And even at Arts Warehouse, I'm like, what are you doing? And I'm like, sorry, <laughs> you know. Um, but it's more of just, I'm always in a meditative state when I'm working. And I think it's really just the, the repetitive um, way of how I layer, you layer the, the, this, each strand of yarn. Yeah. So that's really how I work and nice. I you know it's it's crazy but I, I, I'll be there for eight hours and I don't even realize until my body starts telling me oh my god you're tired you're hurting here or there then I'll stop but I can do it for hours and and what um, about without- like your um like your health and wellness like are you like a smoothie green juice drinker are you like drinking coffee what are your I drink coffee and I need to cut back on that. But you know, I I don't I'm I'm not I don't have a specific, you know, meal that I, you know, eat to say. Yeah, but I, I normally I make sure that I have a lot of energy, food, you know, food that gives me energy. Yeah, because you're also an athlete. So yeah. I'm athlete and I, I'm also physically creating. Right work 
and especially the, the piece I just finished, uh, it was so taxing because I'm really wrapping, I'm you know creating this huge structure. Is so, there going to be an event around it, like a, an opening? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, there is going to be a reveal um, downtown. Um, we're looking at ne- in March, early okay. March. Yeah. So the, um, we're planning on inviting the mayor and the city commission, and I'm looking to get, uh, you know, either the first lady or someone from her constituency up here from Jamaica and the consul general um, just to present, you know, my heritage. That's awesome. Um, so it's going to be interesting. That's amazing. And so are you, are you looking at ever coming up to New York to do anything? I actually, I hopefully, you know, um, that's part of, this is a beginning. And the goal is to get my work out there um, in different cities, you know, different countries. Um, You know, I think my work really caters to a broad audience and internationally, you know, open-minded, well-traveled audience. So that's the goal um, from here, not just staying here in Florida. Um, But I, I did... I did participate in an exhibition in 2000, May 2019 down in Tribeca, but nothing came out of that. So I'm very open to traveling and um, creating and having my work in different cities. It's just getting the opportunity. This has been great. Thank you so much. It's so great to connect with you. And Morning. It was great meeting you in November as well. Um, you know, I totally believe everyone Run needs for a reason. You encounter someone for a reason. So this has been great. Thanks for having me. And I, as much as you love your mom, I love her even more. Oh, that's so, so nice. <laughs> <laughs> so just, oh, thank uh, you, mom, yeah. for introducing us. I'll put that on the podcast to make sure that Karen Salop gets credit. <laughs> Thanks again for tuning in to Marnie on the Move. If you like what you hear, leave us a five-star review in Apple Podcasts. Follow us on social at Marnie on the Move for Facebook and Instagram and Marnie Salop on Twitter. Head over to our website, MarnieOnTheMove.com for more info on this episode, links in the show notes, and of course, sign up for our quarterly newsletter, The Download, to get updates, deals, giveaways, and information on future events for 2019. I want to hear from you. Email me, marnieonthemove1 at gmail.com. And let me know what you're enjoying, what you want to hear more of. If you have questions for our guests, just reach out. 